0: and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash Film. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to SlashFilm Daily for Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Ben Pearson from the site visited the set, and he's now finally able to talk about that. So joining me on today's podcast is SlashFilm senior writer, Ben Pearson.
0: Hey, what's going on? Uh, okay, so when was it that you visited the set? Over a year ago? Uh, nine months ago. This was August of 2018. And I went to London on the Warner Brothers lot, which is just outside of the city. And they, uh, the area of the set that we saw was a rebuilt version of Venice. So it was a, a recreation of Venice on the back lot there. And they had this huge water tank uh, on the back lot. And they built this section of the city with the Rialto bridge over the top of that. And we saw the scene of Tom Holland, who plays Peter Parker slash Spider-Man uh, facing off against this water elemental, which is one of the, the key villains of the movie. And he was just getting blasted by water on a, br- or actually I think, he had just gotten blasted by water right before we got there. The section that we actually saw was water <laughs> blowing through a bridge that they had created. And it was cool because they had all these little like breakaway pieces and stuff like that. But it was just like a lot of um, second unit like action stuff that we saw on the day.
1: Yeah. And it should uh, we should mention that in addition to talking to you about your coverage that we have on the site slash home dot com. We are also going to play some interviews with John Favreau and Tom Holland. So stay tuned for that. Um, What is uh, the most interesting thing? Well, let me ask you this, because you went on the set visit way before um, we saw Endgame. I mean, I guess at that point you had seen Infinity War, so you knew the events of that. But uh, did they get into any, like, obviously this latest trailer kind of spoils Endgame in big ways and introduces this idea of a multiverse. Did, like, any of that come up on your set visit? (laughs)
0: They didn't talk about the multiverse at all, so that was a surprise, and I'm not sure if that's just them trying to hide that because they weren't sure yet if they were going to reveal that in the marketing or if that the fact that they didn't talk about that but they told us so much other stuff about the plot actually sort of in a weird way maybe lends credence to the theory that Mysterio – is uh not being upfront about his uh his motivations and maybe not being truthful about the whole multiverse thing so i'm not sure there's a lot to speculate about but yeah on the set they wouldn't tell us anything they wouldn't even confirm when the movie take takes place because at the at the point that we visited we didn't even know that the title of avengers 4 yet we're still calling it avengers 4 at that point oh crazy uh what was some of the coolest things you saw on set uh, we saw Mysterio's costume, which was really cool up close and personal, just like seeing all of the the detail that went into that. It's it's really like a mixture. I mean, I think somebody says it in one of the trailers, but it's sort of like a, a mixture of Iron Man and Vision and Black Panther and Thor all rolled into one. It's, it's got this sort of um mis- like, you know, he, Mysterio, the character. In The comics he's a bad guy, but he's a he's an ally of spider-man and nick fury and maria hill in this movie Um, One of the executive producers was telling us about him. He said that uh, Mysterio has a mystical slant in this one That's why he's on the team and he has a working history with these elementals and his power is tied to something similar so they're being being very cagey about what exactly (laughs) uh, You know about the whole Mysterio of it all but um yeah, it, it was interesting sort of, you know, being able to to sort of physically put your hands on one of these MCU costumes because a lot of times you can see them on displays and stuff. But just like being able to feel the tactile nature of how much uh, detail work goes into that was pretty cool. Um, one of the I'm trying to think there's some um, there's a couple interesting things about Mysterio. So Jake Hall plays the character. He really loved wearing the suit. They said that they ideally were going to design uh, a costume. Where It would be entirely CG where he wouldn't have to wear this bulky thing around But he as an actor just preferred to be in that and like it helped him get into the character So he actually spent way more time in the suit than the the people who made the suits anticipated And He was like doing some of his own stunts and sometimes the suit would break because it wasn't designed to be worn that much Um, Typical joan hall yeah yeah exactly um but uh there is i'm trying to find the exact
1: you also learned some stuff about the new spider-man suit that we saw in the the recent trailer the like the stealth suit
0: yeah yeah the stealth suit so that's a cool thing it's um so the premise of the movie is peter parker goes on a european vacation and they they said that this is supposed to be a european road trip movie that's like the the sub genre if you want to to pinpoint one you know how like Winter Soldier is a conspiracy thriller, a 70s style conspiracy thriller, and like Ant-Man's a heist movie. This is supposed to be a European road trip movie. And uh, yeah, when when Peter goes overseas, he, uh, he doesn't want to put on his traditional Spider-Man costume because he tells Nick Fury when, so Fury shows up in his hotel room in Venice and tries to recruit him. And Peter Parker just wants to hang out with his friends and, and be on this vacation. And he says something like, you know, there's got to be somebody else that you call. You can call because the last time I went on a field trip, Spider-Man showed up. So don't you think somebody's going to put two and two together? You know, if, if Spider-Man shows up here, um, it, my secret ad- identity is like an important thing to me. So like, I, I I appreciate that you want my help, but like, maybe find somebody else. And then that's why Fury ends up giving him this what they're calling the stealth suit, which is this black sort of tactical suit that doesn't actually have the bells and whistles that the tony stark designed suit does so it's, it's very stripped down and it basically just lets peter sort of use his natural abilities instead of relying on technology to to solve the his problems
1: see that's really cool because the other day in the podcast i was even saying how i i think all this um this nanotech that tony developed in in this universe kind of uh takes something away From the stakes here, and like I, I I love that they're putting Spidey back in like a suit that doesn't have all that technology.
0: Yeah, I agree. And they were talking about how funny it was because uh, the stealth suit is, you know, it's got like sort of a sleek look, but Spider-Man as a character. Peter Parker is supposed to be, you know, uh, perpetually uncool as a character like Nick Fury is like the epitome of cool. You know, he strolls into a room wearing a leather jacket, just looks like a badass. But Peter Parker is this kid who tries but just doesn't ever look cool. So they said that for the stealth suit, they wanted to keep the Spider-Man goggles on it. So Peter can you know see and and do all that stuff. But they wanted to make those goggles like those cheesy flip up versions of like those glasses, the sunglasses from the 1980s, like like Ed Rooney wears in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. (laughs) So and and he has to operate those manually. So there's no like cool button that he can push like Star Lord or anything where it's like this mechanism comes in. It's just like him looking really dumb by flipping up these goggles. And they're talking about how that was like one of their visual touchstones in the movie, like the the design team was trying to make the stealth suit look cooler, like an Iron Man type of helmet, and they're like, no, 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 sending they're like sending the designs back me and like it has to look dumber than that when he flips it up, because that's kind of the point. <laughs> um what other cool stuff did you see on
1: set that you think our listeners might be interested in, but you know, does not spoil the film.
0: There are a couple of little things that, that won't spoil too many big plot points, one of which is that the Vulture is not in this movie. So you mentioned Homecoming. Uh, Michael Keaton was the villain in that movie and there was an early report that suggested that Michael Keaton was going to be coming back to reprise his role and that is not true. The, the filmmakers have no idea where that rumor started and they're just like they figured that bringing him back would feel like they were sort of shoehorning him in just because he was a great actor and they wanted to work with him again but it didn't feel organic to the story. They also well, said well, that... The uh, credit scene
1: for that film, Spider Man homecoming also set up like a villain that doesn't seem to be appearing here.
0: Right. Yeah, they teased the scorpion as well. And they confirmed on the set visit that uh, the scorpion character and the actor who plays him, Michael Mando, is not going to be in this film either. So that's that's a couple things that people can sort of uh, take, you know, maybe don't get excited for because those things aren't happening. Um, One thing that is interesting, you know, Spider-Man is uh, especially this young version with Tom Holland that you you guys were talking recently on the podcast about how the aspect of uh, Homecoming that you loved so much is because it is the. uh, Uh, all the high school stuff and like the dynamic there. And even though they're taking Peter uh, worldwide on this one, a lot of his friends are coming along as well. And his love interest, which is MJ, who's played by Zendaya. And um, this movie has an interesting dynamic sort of worked in with that because there is a new romantic um, obstacle for Peter to overcome in the form of a new character named Brad, who is uh, the Eric Carroll the executive producer described him as the kind of guy that guys like me and Peter hated in high school (laughs) um, Because their hair always looked great Their clothes always fit the way they were supposed to and they always had something funny to say And he's read all the same books as MJ or at least he lies and says that he's read all the same books as MJ so um, that that's this character is like they described him as not the stereotypical bully, but he's an obstacle. He's not mean spirited and he doesn't pick on Peter or shove him in lockers. He just happens to make the girl that Peter likes laugh a lot, which makes Peter uncomfortable. So there is a um, a romantic uh, obstacle that Peter has to overcome as well as, you know, all of this sort of more supernatural uh, superhero type of stuff, too.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't just let Peter get the girl because, I mean, we've seen in many TV shows like once you have the hero get the girl like. Everything – like, you know, th- everything's deflated outside of right. like, it, it, that. that is, uh, so how – did they talk at all about how to avoid, like, the sophomore
0: slump of the franchise? Um, so the director, John Watts, talked about – he was very aware of that. He said that he wanted to avoid second movie bloat. And uh, he said, for me, it's really continuing to make the story be a personal story about Peter's coming of age. If the last one is about wanting more responsibility and not being able to get it, this movie is about getting that responsibility and not necessarily wanting it, at least at the moment. So that um, that that is really like what this movie is about. He, he later told me, um, you know how when you're a kid and you really want to be treated like an adult and be given more responsibilities and you beg and beg for that chance and then one day you wake up and suddenly you are being treated like an adult and you're like, wait, it was better when I was a kid. I want to go back. And and then you can't. That's a little bit of the story that he wanted to tell here. So that's the uh, the arc of Peter's growth in this movie.
1: Yeah. Yesterday on the podcast, we were talking briefly about uh, John Favreau having a role in this film. And it seems almost like unlikely, like it seems like his arc is done in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know you got to talk to the man himself on set. Uh, can you tee up this interview?
0: Yeah, so the, we actually got to see one other little moment of filming, and that was uh, in the Tower of London, or a, a set that was designed to look like the Tower of London. Uh, uh, John Favreau's Happy Hogan is there with all of the all of Peter's classmates, and uh, there is a some sort of enemy that is bearing down on them in this room, and they sort of have their backs up against the wall, and it looks like their death is imminent. So they all start sort of. Um, saying things like uh, revealing truths about themselves in their last moments, like thinking that, you know, basically like unburdening themselves of these uh, things that they're embarrassed about or things that they um, want to get off their chests, just in case they die. Um, one, of Flash Thompson says, "My dream is to be an influencer, but I buy all of my followers." And uh, Betty Brandt, who's a <laughs> sort of a goody two shoes, says uh, admits that she stole a denim vest one time. <laughs> or in, an, in a different take, she said that she has a fake ID, but she's never used it before. Um, so you know, little little joke things like that. But one of the things that Happy Hogan says is I'm in love with Spider-Man's aunt. And that was the first time that we, you know, because when we were on the set visit, we obviously hadn't seen that first trailer where it sort of hints at a relationship between Happy Hogan and Marissa Tomei's Aunt May. So that was an interesting thing and that so we heard him say I'm in love with Spider-Man's aunt and that's when this interview begins. I'm here. <laughs> Uh, I'm alive. Unless so I'm a, we unless heard, I'm a um, red herring. Just,
2: we, we heard I'm in love with Spider-Man's head. Can you expand
3: on that? Oh, wow, interesting. I We haven't filmed that yet, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you manage your time between this, between Lion King, and
1: between Star Wars?
3: So I'm, I'm working on, on Lion King now. Actually, while I'm out, I go over to uh, MPC After Work and look at the stuff there, So because uh, they're doing the visual effects here, so we're doing some of this stuff, and then we're prepping the Star Wars series back uh, back in LA. So actually, with all the time zones, it actually works out well. Although when you have to be on the set, it's tricky. So one of the producers uh, is on, on who's working on both the other projects is with me. So I kind of get corralled around. But the nice part about acting is that I just I get to just uh, focus on that for when I'm on the set. It's been really this is a really a fun one too, and I like to work with John again. He's a funny guy.
2: You want to say, I saw the Lion King
3: footage of D twenty
2: three. Did you? Yeah. Amazing. Oh Thank you. Yeah.
3: We're uh it's we're really giving them the time to do it, right? Yeah. And that was kind of that was that was relatively early footage, uh, rushed for that event. So we wanted to get it out. But uh but I'm here working with them. It's a lot of the same people I work with on Jungle Books who are There's was probably a big learning curve for me on that one and now i'm up to speed and i'm used to working with all of them and and i know what the tech could do and there's all new tech a lot of the consumer facing vr stuff that's out there that wasn't out there back around the time of jungle book we're using mostly motion capture tech and now using uh game engine tech and 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 consumer facing vr stuff we're able to create virtual production and it's a very cool efficient way of working uh and and, and and helps contribute to a live action feel because we're able to actually go into VR and set cameras and operate real cameras that drive virtual cameras. So it has a, a look that hopefully will feel photoreal. And even though it's all every everything's animated in it, it still should have a look of like a live action film. Yeah. Cool.
2: Cool.
3: But you'll see, you'll you'll be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> That's I the it. plan. Yeah.
2: Now, what is Happy's role in this? I mean, in, in Homecoming, is was very gar- much go between. Uh, yeah, Tony and Avengers.
3: Yeah, I like run? to think I was the Nick Fury of uh, Homecoming.
2: <laughs> sure, we'll go Now, now I'm
3: more the uh, Hagrid. Of, uh... <laughs> uh, but I'm having a lot of fun because I, you know, I know a lot of the actors. I really liked how Homecoming came out. I love the tone. I love the mix of humor. And it, 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 it reminded me uh, a lot of, especially working with Gwyneth and Robert also, it, it reminded me a lot of the first Iron Man, just the because it was no pressure on us. We got to have fun and be funny and, and start to um, open up new doors. And um, that storyline was new, so it's simple. And, 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 and then Tom Holland is, of course, like this really cool, younger, you know, sort of looks up to Tony as like a mentor figure. So... That passing of the torch that took place in that one was really good and I love the, the sense of humor to me when you get that balance right is where I, I really appreciate the kind of indie funny uh, Im- improv-y type feel and then you have really kind of cool action that balances out well if you have somebody who's, who's, got, who's got a good handle on things like, like John does
0: what so, kind
2: of technology you look as your character looking at in, in this movie, like within the universe? Because we're here to say vibranium, we know there's the stealth suit kind of stuff. Yes. Like that. What can you say about how that kind of stuff is? I,
3: I try to know as much as my character does, so I try not to know too much. <laughs> uh, but um, I know an, enough to uh, uh, he, he's happy isn't somebody who's in, innovating technology, but he's one who's been around it for a long time, and so. Um, some of the stuff is still the Stark stuff, and there's new stuff, and there's always, you know, and 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 spider mans sort of a, a tech, a tech hero, um, I think is what's been established in the MCU is that we're really leaning into that he's a he's a a, a little genius too, and then Tony has the resources of all of uh, uh, Stark from when he created the suit for him, uh, so um, it's a fun balance. But honestly, as I go through it, I get pages. I, the morning of, so um, I'm like, okay, so what's going on here? And I could kind of piece it together, and then I look in the in the makeup trailer of all the headshots and the names of all the characters, and I can put together what I think the movie's about. Uh, <laughs> but I can guess with you. That's why I can speak freely because yeah. I don't know anything. So, have, have they
2: done anything to kind of touch on how uh, Tony and Happy's relationship has changed with Tony's not in this movie? Uh,
3: we, that's I, I, you know the. Tony, I'm, I, I'm on loan out a lot, uh, like with Gwyneth. I was on loan out, uh, so so I'm part of the Stark the Stark uh, uh, family of companies, and 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 uh, and you know this is this is uh, a lot of t- a lot of time has passed since the last one, so a lot's implied. I was happy
2: relationship
3: with Peter changed. Um. Well, they they were through a lot together, you know, and I think that his relationship with Tony, Peter's with Tony, and, and Happy's always been very loyal to Tony, going going back to the books, too, and it's something that was, you know, remember, I, I, I started playing this because I just wanted to give myself a, a cameo. as was basically an extra in the first one. <laughs> and what's really super strange for me is that it's how all of this has, has evolved into something, so um, uh, how should I put it? Every every little thread plays out into other things. So my neighbor was Clark Gregg. I asked him to play a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Uh, Just uh, Paul Bettany I actually worked with on Wimbledon. Uh, uh, We shot at Shepard and and, um, I asked him to do The Voice. He never even saw the first movie. And then he turned into The Vision and, (laughs) and Clark Gregg turned into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and so uh, it's a little surreal for me, to be honest with you, how all these little things that were just uh, Nick Fury doing a post-credit scene. as like the Easter egg for the fans turned into uh, the foundation for the whole uh, Avengers MCU thing. So it, it's it's uh, it's so nothing nothing's wasted. So every little detail the fans really know. So anytime we lean into it and try to uh, reinforce that, it seems to help bring a little more humanity and depth
0: to to it. So Happy's not a traditional chaperone. So what is he doing in No, London?
3: Well, now I kind of am because it's with the kids. So I, am, uh, I wasn't kidding. I'm kind of turning. I was just joking. I was like, I'm, am I ha- I'm kind of haggard here. And they're like, yeah, you kind of. And they're all figuring out who they would be from Harry Potter. And maybe because we're here, shooting it, surrounded by, because um, they serve us. That's what we get for. We get butterbeer for lunch. Uh, uh, so. they just to protect... Peter, or is he... Um, I mean, I no, I, uh, there's. He's, he's sort of... By, by extension, all these kids are in, in, in my charge, because just by association with Peter, they're drawn into a world that's a lot more dangerous than the high school uh, experience than, that these kids should be going through. Uh, and it's cool for me, because the school's kind of based on the high school I went to, Bronx Science. So I'm very... Uh, I'm, I'm throwing out geeky lines to them, acting too cool for my character. I'm like... <laughs> That's actually not a spirit, it's a halberd. Like the wow, like knowing what every weapon in there is. Um, I, I remember from my Dungeons and Dragons days. So, uh, so it's 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 kind of fun. Out, out from Queens, also. So, like in, in um, Captain America when they showed like Queens when they cut to Queens yeah. and that was the big tyron, I would my heart jumped. I was like, because <laughs> uh. you're from Queens, you don't really get that top billing like yeah. that. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> usually yeah. a punchline. Uh, you know, would you ever jump back in the sandbox and direct? Up? I mean, nowadays, who knows with all the different platforms and the streaming service that, that, you know, I'm sort of getting a a, I'm I'm part of the the new Disney streaming service. And and all of these new technologies are the new platforms are emerging and and all sorts of really cool um, because you don't it's not like network television or not like blockbuster films where everybody has to be. Uh, the, the audience has to the, the, everything has to be made for all audiences. Now you could make specific uh, material and content for s- specific groups as long as you're doing a good job and they're loyal to it and they like what you're doing it, there's room in this new ecosystem. And so it's very it's going to be very interesting to see what not just Lucasfilm does but Marvel does and Disney with the opportunity to do things that don't have to compete on a uh, You know, on a blockbuster weekend in the summer or in the holidays. So it's, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, what, what, it takes, it takes a while for this to ripple through to to the audiences, but you're starting to see out there with all the different uh, ways of delivering content, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of material coming out. And it allows for fresh voices and fresh takes. And, and, and certainly something like Marvel has a lot of opportunities because of so many characters that might not warrant, um, a, a huge movie, but but that weave together, and you get a lot of chapters. So it's it's uh it's kind of exciting to see what's coming. Have,
2: uh, have you and Robert Sorry, at all dude. flirted with the Iron right. Man Four? No. back on set. Okay, so. So, so just one, one yeah, last, yeah, you. if you and Robert have ever flirted with the idea of an Iron Man Four? Uh,
3: we haven't talked about four. Uh, I've talked to Kevin about it to see what they're up to, but we definitely love working together. and We love these characters, so we we talk about what it would be, and we always joke about the freak. Storyline, which is a a Happy Hogan storyline, where he like turns into a Hulk-like character. Uh, (laughs) We we joke about that, though.
1: No, no plans
3: as of yet. (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyway, thank you. Very cool. And up next, we have your interview with Tom Holland from set. Uh, What do we need to know?
0: Yeah, so he, um, I guess this this is going to be the fifth time that he plays Spider-Man, which is more than anybody else uh, on on film. So that's a, a cool moment a cool um uh trophy for tom holland to, to have as an actor um so we talked to him a little bit about the difference between you know the huge scope of the avengers movies and coming back down to something a little bit more grounded here and uh he he sort of teased a moment that i'm very very curious about so you remember that moment in uh, homecoming where there's that scene in the car with him and michael keaton and uh, it's one keaton of the best is- moments of the film yeah, he, he figures out who Peter really is and it's the super suspenseful moment. Somebody asked uh, Tom Holland at the end of this if this movie has a similar type of moment and his answer is very, very compelling. So listen in, hear what he has to say about that.
4: So what do you guys know? It's actually easy They told to
2: us the whole to. movie, they just want you to rehash it for <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah,
4: the whole movie. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Somehow I don't believe it. <laughs> they focus more on, like, Avengers 4 and all that stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know nothing about that. Though, <laughs> so. There's no point asking me questions <laughs> about that. But what's up, guys? How much.
3: It, how's it feel? You're going to be playing... This film will be your fourth time as
0: Spider-Man. How's yes. it feel? You'll be the... have played Spider-Man more than anyone else. When this film comes out. that feel? feels pretty good, all?
4: man. feels pretty good. Uh it's an amazing experience as an actor and such a privileged experience as an actor to get to play a character that you love so much time and time again Um, I definitely have the mindset of if you want to make 20 of these movies then I'm down um, because it's really fun Uh, yeah so it's it's been a real privilege and been so much fun uh, maybe even more fun this time around than the last one and it's been great
2: how's it to go from uh, doing the Avengers movies about it that big and the big, huge cast to come back and do uh, your own movie with your own supporting characters? it's
4: uh, a good question. Yeah. The Avengers movies feel so removed from what we were doing in Homecoming and, and Far From Home especially because obviously... Our films are about people who are so grounded in reality, people who are very real. Um, and then when you get into the world of the Avengers, that's the complete opposite. You know, we have characters from all over the galaxy mixing with each other, and and uh, it's a very different feel on set because you have people who are blue and green, Iron Man and stuff, and it's it's uh it's pretty crazy. But this is a bit more low key and feels a bit. I always describe these movies like the biggest indie movies ever made it does just feel like we're making a high school movie that happens in Europe. Yeah.
0: What's Peter Parker's headspace like in this movie?
4: Um, love. He's very much love-driven in this film. Um, and taking a break. This film is all about him trying to take a break, but the responsibility of being Spider-Man always taking over, which is quite funny because the first film, we were really keen to show Peter Parker enjoying his powers and really wanting to be Spider-Man. Now we have Peter Parker, who still loves the aspects of Spider-Man, but just needs a break, just needs a holiday like everyone does at times. And that's not possible when you're a superhero and you have responsibilities to save lives. So it's an interesting balance of kind of watching a kid do his homework. That's kind of how I'm describing it.
3: Now, the the first one had kind of a John Hughes vibe to mm-hmm. it. Right? Does that carry over to this movie, or is it more
0: of a spy thriller with bringing in Nick Fury and, and all those elements?
4: This film's kind of like if Spider-Man Homecoming and Spectre had a baby. <laughs> That's how I would describe this film. It's it's It has the, the sexy aspect of being in Europe, of having the, the spy uh, mission undertone, but at the heart of it, it's still... A very similar film to Spider Man Homecoming in a sense that it's really about Peter and his friends and the kids and the lighthearted humor that they have and, and what happens when a group of Americans go to Europe. You know, it's a pretty amazing experience. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's pretty similar, but it just has a new undertone of super cool spy stuff. How's it been with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal working with him? Because it sounds like he really got into the role, he loved the costume and stuff. How's he to he's awesome man Jake and I got on really well and it's interesting because when you when you hear the word Mysterio as a Spider-Man fan you immediately think villain and that's not the case in our film he's sort of a a new addition to this world of heroes he's sort of my teammate throughout the movie and it's funny because because Jake is such a great guy and we get on really well and uh, it's been fun sort of Fighting these crazy monsters with him because it's it's imagining stuff is quite difficult when you're doing it on your own, but when you're doing it with someone else, it's uh, it's a lot easier. And also, every year I have a phone call with my agents where I talk about the five actors I want to work with and the five directors I want to work with, and he's always on the list. So the fact I get to work with him in this is pretty special.
0: What is the dynamic
2: between Peter and this How how do they kind of interact with each other, vibe with each
4: other compared to some of the heroes that he's already worked with? it's very much big brother little brother and Nick Fury is the head teacher who is constantly telling me off because I don't want to really be there I want to go on holiday and Mysterio is always the one sort of sticking up for me and patting me on the back and telling me I did a good job which is funny there's really funny moments in the film where I feel like I haven't done a good job and Mysterio's like good job kid (laughs) really? (laughs) Um, so yeah it's fun it's been a really really cool ride so far what do you have idea how you can answer
3: this? But like, has death affected Peter at all?
4: Next question. <laughs> um Yeah, next question.
0: <laughs> What's his relationship like now that Aunt May knows the secret, which is a big
3: difference from the comics where he was always trying to hide his other life from her? That was a huge reveal at the end of the last movie. Yeah,
4: it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh question obviously bigger things in the mcu have happened that we need to talk about so when we find may for the first time she's kind of egging peter on there's a very funny line where she's talking about i hope you've taken down some crime family so she's in on it and she kind of understands his power she understands that he's safe most of the time you know when he's being the friendly neighborhood spider-man little harm can come to him but when he takes on bigger foes i think she is just as worried as she was in the first one
2: when you talk about bigger things happening i mean like it's pretty big things have happened like yeah. what how does that i mean i know you can't talk about how death might change him but what kind of residual connections or changes or anything like that like i don't know it's kind of like iron man 3 how tony was having ptsd or is it something along those lines
4: that we can kind of expect that was just a fancier worded version of his. <laughs> <laughs> <I mean, laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just really yeah. beat around the bush there. Yeah, well. Next question.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> how, how, on this, note, how is it making this movie when there's this big lingering question and just how are you finding it now and how are you, what, what are your concerns going sort of into the next year promoting this movie with regard to that? <laughs> and that's, not, because, trying, and that's not trying what, to watch. You the your reason own. I'm so strict on myself is because I know you don't have a reputation what everyone you wants to know right and it is it's so epic that I would I would be very upset with myself if I gave away some of the things that are to come um, but for us you know it's 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 important to to look at what's happened in the past of the MCU and and uh, make sure that they're still relevant and still present throughout the film so lots of conversations have been had about Throwing ideas back to what happens and stuff, and and uh, yeah, so it's still very much a present factor of this film, um, and it's something that will resonate with the audiences massively.
2: How important was it to um, bring John Watts back
0: and collaborate with him again?
4: I mean, the, he's no one understands his character and these films better than he does, you know, um, and for me. It's so much easier the second time round, especially because he's here, because we both know what we need to do. We've done it before. And in the first film, we were in the same boat because we hadn't done it before, so we could stick together. In this film, we're in the same boat. We know how the industry works, so we can stick together and help each other in ways we never knew we could on the first one and it's just made the whole process a lot easier because I know going into a scene what John wants so I don't need to wait for the first five takes for him to figure it out I just know from doing it so often um and it's just made it a lot smoother process where in the first film we'd do 20 takes now we just do 10 because we are on the same page um and I thought the first film was so unique compared to other superhero movies in the sense of how young it was and how diverse the cast was and it was a no-brainer that the second film needed more of that so who better to bring back than the guy that did it in the first place so I'm so happy to have John in. Your
1: character is so movie savvy. Does he go
0: around like saying like, I'm in a James Bond movie or any other kind of movie references like
4: that? That's kind of a Russo thing. That joke, is the the movie references stuff. Um, yeah, we don't really have that many in this candles one. The sixteen candles thing was sort
1: of on the fly too, right? With
4: the sixteen candles.
1: at
4: Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> well, all you guys
1: are posed like sixteen, like the sixteen candles poster. It was like kind of a promotional image. For-
4: I have. Oh, oh! Oh! Yeah, I don't know yeah. what that... I don't know what 16 <laughs> Candles is. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> it's so funny. The two films I've referenced in their movies, the first one is Empire Strikes Back and the second one is Alien and I haven't seen either of those movies.
2: You're pretty good. I've talked about putting on the new black stealth costume and what that thing is capable
4: of. It's awesome. It's not actually capable of much. It we sort of stripped Spider-Man back and it now is just him relying on his powers um, but it is his ability to act as Spider-Man without the world knowing that Spider-Man is there um, it's just a, a, an idea that he has to keep his identity from his friends um, but it's awesome it's really really cool I can go to the bathroom <laughs> which is a huge bonus you know um, it looks super cool and it was so funny we were doing this this scene and my grandparents came to watch and uh, I've got the stealth suit on and they're watching on the monitors and then I jump out the, win- the window of this building we're filming in and they actually had a big pontoon, not a pontoon a big platform outside that I could jump out the window and land on and I was, I was trying to convince the crew to after I jump out the window, like everyone rush the window and go, no, wait, wait, wait! And scare my grandparents, but they wouldn't do it. <laughs> they wouldn't do it. They thought it was too mean.
2: <laughs> what uh, What would you say is kind of Peter's main mission in this when it's when he's in Spider Man mode? Uh, Ooh.
4: At the end of the day, it's always about saving people and doing the right thing. Um, the world is at risk in this film. It's not. The, I feel like the vulture was sort of low level crime. It was sort of under the radar. Not many people knew about it. But this is a worldwide event. Um, so the stakes are much higher for him and I think he understands that meaning he has to really show up and bring his A-game but at the heart of the film Peter Parker just wants to tell the girl he really likes that he loves her and have a nice holiday but that all gets ruined Brad gets in the way (laughs) and that relationship obviously in the first movie it was only found out at the end that that's the MJ figure and so you had a very different working relationship with uh, with her in uh, the first one how's that changed Uh, what's it like now it's been great it's been a really really fun film um, Zined, uh Jacob and I sort of become this little trio on camera uh, and it's just a great dynamic between the three of us we all get on so well the characters haven't really changed at all so for us it's a nice stepping off point to explore new things for the characters um, and, uh, and is great I mean she brings so much new stuff to that character that we know and love so well um, and I think audiences will really, really connect with her playing MJ. I
2: think uh, one of my favorite scenes in the first movie, was, and a huge part because it was a superhero movie and it required no superpowers to be an awesome scene, was the scene in the car with Michael Keegan. Yeah. Where he kind of figures it out and it's really suspenseful and stuff like that. Would you say there's something kind of equivalent to that? Like a, anything you have read in the script or shot already where you're like, all right, wow, this is, suspense is high, no superpowers, anything yeah. like that?
4: There's a scene in this film where audiences will feel like they've been punched in the face. Even filming it, I remember walking out and then watching it again on the monitors and asking john like are you sure that's okay and he's like no it's not people are gonna hate this scene but it really uh oh god it's pretty crazy and it's very similar in the way that it's very tense and it sort of whips the rug from underneath your feet and it's uh it's pretty awesome Sweet. yeah that's what happens <laughs> Basically, Batman shows up. Right? Okay, it's a DC Marvel crossover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone. Thank yeah. Thanks very much. See you later, guys. Thank you.
1: What do you think he means there? That like
0: people are not going to be okay with this. I don't know. I, I I mean, the audience getting punched in the face. That's a that's a big claim, especially in the wake of you know, two movies like Infinity War and Endgame, um, I feel like at the end of Infinity War, audiences felt like they were punched in the face. So maybe the only thing that could sort of come close to that is like a legitimate death in, you know, maybe one of his friends actually dies in one of the climactic action scenes or something like that. Peter
1: Parker has already already lost everything. He lost his Uncle Ben, he lost Tony, and now he's going to lose what, like... His aunt or Happy Hogan or one of his – they
0: can't kill off a kid, can they? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean probably not, but in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm trying to like run through options of what could possibly be this scene where – uh even the director of the movie is, says people are gonna hate this scene and it's not okay i don't know um i'm very very curious to see what that ends up being
1: i'm saying this now if they kill off ned i'm i'm leaving the theater looks- <laughs> you're rioting <laughs> yes i'm rioting okay if you want to read all your coverage uh, all of ben's coverage uh for the spider-man far from home set visit there's a ton of articles he spent a, a lot of work on this i'll leave
0: links to all the articles in the show notes and, and you, one more tease, J. Jonah Jameson might be coming to the MCU. I, hold, I wrote a whole article about that, so check it out in the show notes. In this film or a future film? Uh, maybe in this film. Hmm. Okay, so check that out
1: on the site. Uh, Slash Film Daily is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. I mean, it could be something other than a death. Like, it could be, like, finding out his friend or someone he trusts is involved. Like, what if Nick Fury has somehow, you know, somehow involved with hysteria? know that doesn't make any sense either.
0: So, here's the thing, just for the people who decided to listen all the way through and and maybe for people. It's another reason why people should read this coverage. There was uh, some talk on the set about Nick Fury... Potentially, maybe there was a hint that he might not be completely. Maybe you're onto something there. Maybe this punch in the in the gut or punch in the face scene could be some some truth about Nick Fury and and what he's actually up to in this whole thing. Maybe it is revealed that Nick Fury has been replaced with the Skrull. Yeah, I speculate that in the article, it's possible. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of possibilities with this movie, so I'm I'm very very curious to see how it all plays out.